Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Life Science Report, the monthly Back Bay Life Science Report podcast. I'm Jonathan Gertler. I'm the managing partner and CEO of Back Bay Life Science Advisors, and truly delighted to be here today. We're joined on this video broadcast by Maria Groshop Delwick, who is the head of strategy and business development uh, for global listing services in the Nordics at NASDAQ. Maria, welcome. We're so delighted that you're joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. It is our pleasure. I, I want to give a little bit of background about what we're going to be talking about today. I think everyone in our podcast universe is well aware of the wonderful dynamics in the Nordic ecosystem. The Nordic ecosystem over the last 15 years has really grown to be one of the great contributors in biotech and increasingly in medtech and health tech as well. Um, and many new things are occurring there that I think were really relevant to today's discussions. We've also had, of course, some tumult in the public markets and the biotech sector, to say the least, over the last year to two, after really what was one of the most sustained runs of, uh, of positivity in the uh, in the markets really worldwide, especially in the biotech sector, but also in the medtech and health tech sectors. But some wonderful new dynamic events have occurred in the Nordic NASDAQ system specifically, and Maria is joining us today to really talk about that in detail. Um, one of the things that I do want to say before we launch into this is that as a longstanding um, participant in the life science public markets, I've always felt extremely strongly that preparation, strategy, all the things that really need to go in in detail still need to be there without question, even when the markets are robust and especially so perhaps when the markets are a little bit more challenging. Back Bay's presence as a strategy consulting group and integrated investment banking group really is always poised to be helpful to companies in these settings. Maria, let me, let me make one other comment and then I'd love you to introduce yourself and your background and then we'll delve right into the questions. Um, the Nordic NASDAQ system and specifically the Stockholm markets have actually just recently put in a policy which we believe is going to be game-changing for many American companies as well as the Nordic companies, and that's the ability of American companies to list on the Stockholm Exchange, either primarily or as a dual listing. And because of the dynamics of the Stockholm Exchange, we think that's just extremely exciting. And today's podcast is designed with Maria and her expertise as head of strategy and business development for um, NASDAQ and the Nordics to really delve into the details of that wonderful event. So, Maria, I'd love to turn it over to you, first of all, to please introduce yourself again. We're so pleased to have you here, and then we'll move into some of the very specific questions. Yes, thank you very much, Jonathan. Uh, I'm Maria Groshoff-Danvik. I'm working with strategy and business development, uh, as mentioned, in the listings department at NASDAQ in the Nordics. Uh, my role is really to develop the market even further. We've come very far, and we was mentioned as the hottest market for uh, small cap companies in Europe recently by Financial Times. Uh, and that is due to the, the work we've done in the market to develop the market and establish a good ecosystem for both small and large com companies. That, that's great. And I actually, I should mention also, Maria, that you and I are going to have the pleasure, along with, I think, members of both of our teams, of being at NLS Days in the end of September. Uh, in Malmo, and I know that we'll be hosting a U.S. pavilion, which will have a number of different ecosystem participants in it, 
but Back Bay and NASDAQ are going to be very pleased together to put on a couple of um, discussions throughout the course of each day of the NLS Day meeting, and that is the Nordic Life Science Day meeting, really discussing this specific subject as well. So let's consider this podcast a harbinger, perhaps, of some on-site and live discussions around this wonderful topic. So, Maria, let me, let me ask you the first question um, and this is always something that occurs to boards and CEOs, of course, as they contemplate a public listing. Public listings in and of themselves are a means to a financing end, but for all companies, we want it to be, of course, much more than that. We want it to be a dynamic and liquid event. We want there to be continued support and trading and all the things, of course, the NASDAQ is so extraordinarily well known for. Um, if you could talk a little bit to us about the differences as you see them between the Nordic markets and maybe specifically the Stockholm market and the U.S. market to educate our listeners about things like valuation thresholds, raise thresholds, sectors of companies, and the types of investors engaged, I think that would be extremely helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So just to set the scene, uh, the U.S. Uh, market uh, has about almost 4,000 listings uh, and the Nordics has 1,200. So it's about a third, a bit more than a third of when it comes to number of listings. And the markets are different, uh, particularly in the way that the Nordic market supports early stage companies to a larger extent than the US does. Um, but saying that, uh, when it comes to valuation thresholds, we do have thresholds for our main market, as well as what we call our premier segment within our growth market, Nasdaq First North. Uh, and those are 1 million euros in the, in the main market and surprisingly enough it's 10 million euros in the, the premier market that's a bit of a legacy that is it's lower in the, the main market so we do have thresholds when it comes to valuation uh, but it, they're rather low when you compare that to a listing that usually occur in the US market in the US market there is no valuation threshold per se there are four different uh, standards that you, you choose which one you adhere to. So either it's an income standard uh, or an equity standard or market value, or it could also be a total asset and income uh, threshold uh, or standard that you, you meet. And you need to meet all criteria within that um, standard that you choose. So there is no valuation threshold. Uh, so there are uh, smaller uh, listings also in the US. Um, but we will just, I think we will come into that, what the difference is when it comes to listing as a small uh, cap company in the US versus in the Nordics. So maybe hold on to that, that uh, answer, uh, exactly what that means. But, but in general, the, the Nordic market supports early stage companies uh, to a larger extent and can create a good way uh, to support the growth journey of companies. You know, it's an interesting observation. I'll just interject. I, you know, the the decision to be a public company is predicated on so many things. And certainly as, as a board member and as an entrepreneur personally, I've, I've always considered the issues of what can you raise in terms of capital? Do you have sustainability? Are you, is your investor base a good one? And although the specific um, logistical and mechanical aspects of this, and this includes certainly listing thresholds and the like, are exceedingly important, at the end of the day, and I would emphasize this, the decision to do something like this is really predicated on an amalgam of strategic inputs, including the space you're in, 
the management team you have, the financing you need, and the financing you've had in place to date. But I think it's just extremely important to emphasize, Maria, that although you've listed some thresholds and you've listed some of the uh, specific legal requirements, if you will, or at least listing requirements, that at the end of the day, it's very enabling that your exchange actually really can carry forward a large range of companies depending on their specific strategic needs. Yeah, and maybe to add to that, and because I didn't mention any the amounts of the capital raised in the different markets, um, when it comes to the Swedish market, the average over the last nine years has been uh, a bit more than 50 million euros, whereas in the in the US market is 260 almost. So it's a large dif- difference in what type of capital capital you're looking for. Uh, but with that said, of course, there are large capital raises in the US market as well as small and the same in, in the Swedish market. So we've had some really large uh, capital raises in the Swedish market too. And you're mentioning also sectors, and I think that's that's important because that's where we actually very similar the Nasdaq US market and, and the Nasdaq Nordic market. They're very strong in, uh, to support the healthcare sector. So that's our main sector, uh, both in in the Nordics and in the US. Uh, we are also very strong in technology, uh, the technology sector in general. Um, and in Sweden, we have some other peer groups that are, have attracted U.S. companies uh, also um, earlier. And, and there's like gaming as well, that it has been a very strong sector in the, in the Swedish markets. But, but pr- primarily, it's healthcare and, and technology that are, that are the, the strong sectors in, in the market. No, that, and that's extremely important, again, for our audience. I think the audience listening in today primarily will be those interested in the healthcare and overlapping health tech markets. And so I think that emphasis is extremely important. Maria, let, let me dig in. On, oh, sorry. Go ahead, please. No, I was about to say that uh, the Nordic markets have, have had about 34% of the U- European biotech listings, uh, so or stand for, for 34% of the, the European biotech listing. So that, I think that gives an indication of how big we are within, within uh, the healthcare sector, in particular the biotech sector. Great. So let me zero in a little bit on what I know is a bit of a difference and a very interesting difference between the two geographic markets, and that's really investor base. You know, as, as boards and management teams and investors contemplate a public listing, the things and we always think about, and I think it's both the United States and the Nordics and Europe and really worldwide, is not only can we do the single financing that perhaps the IPO will represent, but the sequential financings that are so important to development in the very capital and intensive world of healthcare. Um, Do we have the type of investor base that will continue to follow and support us in doing so and will the trading dynamics be sufficient to keep the stock price supported, um, keep the news flow, which is the company's responsibility, going, but of interest to the investors, and then can that continue? And of course, in healthcare, there's so many examples of excellent financings being done, data being reached, and then acquisitions being done from a public valuation with the premium associated as opposed to just private-to-private types of acquisitions. But critical to that, of course, is the investor base. And in the United States, I know we always think for the life sciences that the robust trading and support comes from an institutional investor base. And some of the concerns always around um, smaller um, exchanges, if you will, or those that are you know dealing with smaller cap companies, 
is that that institutional base won't be there to support the companies the same way. But as I understand from you and your team, actually the dynamic around investor support is a little different in the Stockholm markets and the Nordic markets. And I'd love for you to dwell on that a little bit with greater detail. Yeah, I think that's something that, that distinguishes the Nordic market from not only the US, but globally, uh, we are distinguished with that our investor base is to a large extent consisting of retail uh, flows as well. So we have more than 25% of the the um, trades coming from retail, uh, but then said again said that the um, the main part is global investors so we have global banks and, and global institutions and um, investment firms that that are uh, investing in our markets uh, but a very large portion is actually retail and what differs us when it comes to retail to many other markets is that the retail investors they have long experience in investing in the equity market and they are very keen on supporting young companies. So without them, we wouldn't have had such a good growth market as we have. That has actually built the, the development and that has created an interest from institutional um, uh, firms to enter our growth market investor. Previously, uh, pension funds and, and other institutional money was not even allowed to, to uh, invest in, in those early stage companies, but due to the development we've had, they've opened up and, and entered that market too. So I think now we have a very good mix. And I think even over the summer when we've see, seen, or spring, when we've seen a, a large decline in, in all markets globally, uh, retail uh, investors in Sweden have actually uh, supported the market um, more strongly than in other markets. So I think that's that's really key to the success in the market. When looking at the US market, we also have a good uh, proportion of, of retail investors. Uh, and if, if it's a bit more than 25% in the Swedish market, it's around 20% in, in uh, the US market, and the rest would be, uh, be institutional. Um, but they're not as long term. Uh, so retail investors go in and go out uh, to a larger extent in, in the US market, whereas retail investors in, in the Nordics invest uh, long term. So I think that's a, that's a difference when it comes to, uh, to investor base and what has, what has created our market. Yeah, and I think it's such an important point because you and you've articulated it, the, the concern about rapid trades and fluctuations especially with stocks that are not fully supported by institutional investors, is one of the things that for decades now in my involvement here, I've both as a board member or as a counselor to companies really warned against. Be careful of what you ask for because you might get it. You might get a public listing, but you also might get great volatility. You may not have the support that you need. Um, I think for for the most part, companies are very circumspect about when to go public, there are costs involved in that, and there's risk as well as benefit. But one of those critical issues is of continual support of the stock price. And your articulation of the longevity of the Swedish and other Nordic retail investors, I think, is in distinction to some degree from what we experience in the United States. So an excellent distinction. And, and it really brings me to the next question that I want to ask, which is, In the United States, that threshold of being big enough to support that type of base, as you list on um, the U.S. NASDAQ, is really the critical question. And smaller companies, 
may in a very hot market get swept into the IPO urgency that can go on. But if it's a market that's on the cusp or a market that's somewhat down, it can be very hard for them to transition safely and with a good trajectory into a U.S. public market. Um, and yet Sweden and the Stockholm Exchange, Nordic NASDAQ, really offers a, a step, an intermediary step, if you will, for those companies, U.S. or elsewhere, that can actually fill that gap at the smaller valuation, the smaller raise, and still have the sustainability. And I, th I think we've talked about this already implicitly, but perhaps if you could address directly how you see the um, Stockholm NASDAQ as really allowing for that in-between company that isn't quite ready, perhaps, for the larger U.S. listing. Yeah, I think um, that is what distinguishes us, uh, that we can support them uh, early stage. And I think that's uh, the reason for that is that we have developed a market where we have rules that are adapted to uh, to younger companies um, and also that we have a platform that we have uh, different uh, steps where you could actually advance. So we have the first North growth market, we have the first North premier segment where you actually uh, add some additional requirements on governance and, and financial reporting uh, and then we have the main market. So. I think that's where we have been very successful. We have advisors that are used to, to young companies um, and we have also uh, investors that have seen uh, early stage companies for a long time and have invested in them and know rather well what to look for and, and what to avoid, if you wish. Uh, so I think that creates a good uh, entry point for a company when they want to go public. It's a very good uh, starting point to, to enter into the first North growth market and then to take the step when the, when the company matures to, to go into the premier segment, to the main market in the Nordics and potentially also grow into the US or, or other large markets if you want to do a list later on in, in, in your growth journey. And so let's explore that for a little bit. We have um probably just about five or six minutes remaining in our in our discussion today, and there's still so many important things to say. I will um, emphasize, and I'll say this again, that many of the issues um, that we really do need to discuss in terms of some of the mechanics of the listing, um, some of the strategy that goes into the listing, the preparation, um, Maria, your team and my team will be so eager to do this together at NLS Day's at the end of the month, and we certainly invite anyone who's attending that meeting to please come and find us in the U.S. Pavilion, because we'll be able to address these in much, much greater detail. Um, consider this podcast a bit of a teaser, I hope, to an even more in-depth discussion during those uh, during that that meeting. But but let's talk about the um, the, the First North and the uh, the main exchange in Stockholm. Not as, let's not use the word feeder exchange, but really a, an enabling exchange, if you will, to really allow younger companies to start to access the bigger raises, the greater liquidity, the bigger investor base of the public markets, but also potentially either transition directly to the U.S. or have some sort of dual presence in the U.S. And perhaps, Maria, if you can talk a little bit about what you see as the challenges and advice you'd give to companies that are looking to do such a thing. Yeah, uh, when a company decides to, to move on and, and to, to grow into uh, the US, uh, which we actually work with, also we have a team in, in Europe uh, helping European companies uh, 
list in uh, at Nasdaq US. So for us, that's uh, common or everyday business, if you wish. So. What is important for the companies when they mature? They, of course, need to uh, have established the process and processes and, and routines internally um, in order to support the market and be transparent. And I think that's a key word to, to remember if you want to go public. Transparency is really key when you're in, in the market. You need to be uh, ready with your governance, your, uh, your processes uh, and also your reporting and and the communication to the market so but when when you've been listed in in a public market uh, if in the nordics for a while you most likely have that established a ground ground uh, uh, or a base level of that and then when looking to to go public in in the us what you need to do is really to start early and you need to work with the, the investors. You need to meet them many times in order to establish a relationship with them. Uh, it's also a success factor if you have already attracted some, some uh, US investors uh, into your company earlier on. That will help you when taking the step. So what we've seen when we have uh, had other companies uh, growing from, from Europe into the US, that's what they have done. They have been working closely with investors and, and promoting their, their uh, company uh, and they've met uh, the investors many times. Uh, and at, it's important also to add that it, it needs to be at the sea level. So it's, it's really throughout the company that you work for the strategy to move into uh, to the new market. No, that, that's great. And I'm going to add a little bit of the Back Bay um, spice to that conversation because Back Bay is, is really heavily, heavily engaged in counseling companies really across the world. But we do have a strong Nordic presence and obviously a very strong U.S. presence about preparation, about full understanding of, of what you're offering. And one of the things that I would say is just so critically important and it correlates completely to your discussion of getting to know investors, of being on the road, of having people get to know you, is having as full an understanding of your global approach strategically as you possibly can. And I think whether you're listing on a Nordic exchange or whether you're listing in the U.S. exchange, the expression we like to use is that you need to be able to control the debate. You have to have full understanding of what your regulatory and development path will be if it's biotech. You have to have full understanding of the markets you're approaching, the competitive intensity. have to have full understanding, truly, um, if it's commercial stage, of what the buying process is and the reimbursement process is, especially in the U.S. markets. And one of the things that I, th I think is always challenging for Nordic companies is that um, with very different healthcare systems in their backyard than the U.S. system, that that extra effort to understand what is across the pond, what its complexity is, how you're positioned there is critically important. And to my read, Maria, and please comment on this, that even if you are listing in the Nordic exchange, and certainly as an American company, I would think this is true, being able to anticipate all those questions as you meet with investors, have the answers, having done your research, having done your preparation, is critical to making those meetings in anticipation of a dual listing or a U.S. listing, that's what's critical to making those meetings a success. 
Yeah, I completely agree. And I think something that is worthwhile mentioning as well, and, and that is a very important thing that companies need to do, uh, it's to deliver on on milestones that are communicated. That brings com confidence uh, from investors into uh, to the company. So, in order to to convince the investors to invest, you have to show that you're actually delivering. Uh, so that's also something that sometimes companies might want to be very brave and, and have very uh, difficult mind, milestones to reach potentially. Uh, and um, and that's not, I mean, you have to really to, to consider uh, what you can deliver on. It's better to deliver on perhaps a lower level uh, than setting a, a very hard target and you don't reach it. I think that's something that investors will look at and and um, and weigh into the um, decision to invest. Absolutely. So, Maria, I think in our in our last couple of minutes here, let me let me just ask you um, if you have any one specific word of advice for companies, and also please let let all of our listeners know how best to approach you directly if they would like to reach you and reach out, and then I'll I'll make some closing comments as well. The best tip I can I can give uh, US company is to prepare your story. Uh, when you have your story ready, you should go out and meet investors. And you, it's not sufficient to do it once. You need to be out there and communicate many times uh, to bring your message message across. So that that's something that I really think is very important for the companies. Uh, and I think the best thing, tip I can give. Uh, and if you want to speak with us uh, at Nasdaq in the Nordics, uh, we're happy to, to uh, or you, you can happily send us an email either to our listings at nasdaq.com or uh, contact me and, or my uh, colleagues uh, on listings. I'm happy to, to receive email from you if you're interested in our market. We're happy to, to uh, have a conversation. Uh, my email is maria.delvik with double L and W I K at nasdaq.com. Or you can also write to listings at nasdaq.com. No, that's terrific, Maria. Thank you. And I, and I think what I will just reemphasize for both our North American and European and Nordic listeners is just this issue of preparation, control the debate, have your data in hand. And just as we counsel in the licensing, partnering, and M&A arena, we counsel in the public market arena. I think um, communication and transparency, as Maria had said earlier, is always paramount. It's a little bit of a different dynamic in licensing, partnering, and M&A than it is in a public listing. But at the same time, the more people know you, the more people understand what you're doing, unless there's a strategic reason to be stealthy, I think the, the more ready they are to embrace you when the next definitive event comes along. But what we've been talking about today, I think, is a very compelling opportunity. I think it's wonderful that both as the... Um, as the fluidity between the Nordics and the U.S. markets increases scientifically, clinically, commercially, and now we're seeing it even in the public markets, I think it's nothing but an advance. And I encourage all of our North American and European and Nordic listeners to just reach out. Um, I think everyone knows how to reach us at Back Bay, but we're always delighted to be helpful in all of the circumstances surrounding this. 
And um, Maria, we just can't thank you enough for being here. And I look forward to seeing you in NLS days. And indeed, we will, uh, I hope, have the chance to go into even further depth with our visitors to the U.S. Pavilion there. So thank you. And thank you to all the listeners. Thank you very much.